Good morning. Let me remind you of the uh, activities coming up this coming Sunday. We've got our children's Christmas program. And then that evening, don't forget the candlelight service as well, our communion time we spend each year. And uh, it's at 6 o'clock, and we hope you'll be able to come out for that. And we'll all worship the Lord and celebrate uh, the spirit of Christmas. It'll be a time of fellowship. Again, I I repeat what Jeff said. We want your prayers for the Jeff Carson and his family, and uh, uh, just uh, appreciate all of Jeff's uh, influence around here and his encouragement. He he and I meet regularly in fellowship together, and uh, he's just a neat guy, a neat family, and I know he'd appreciate your prayers. Appreciate. The word trending is very popular these days. It's relatively new in the context in which it's used, but especially on social media websites and and online uh, uh, chat rooms, they talk a lot about trending. Well, one of these websites is called Baby Center, and it encourages parents to share their baby's names. I mean, in fact, it's it's cutting edge. It said for up for a more up-to-the-minute look at what's trending for those, for those couples that are trying to find that very perfect name. And apparently this is a big deal because uh, things can change really fast in the world of baby names. Did you know that girls are rarely named uh, Susan and Mildred and Amanda and Elizabeth anymore? And boys are uh, called Elmer and Eugene and Christopher and Bob and even Jerry, well, you, you'll be hard to find these in the future. These are not popular names anymore. The year's fastest rising baby girl names were Rhea, Alora, Aria for the girls, and Onyx and Coda and Finnegan for the boys. A little different, aren't they? According to the website, many of the names have already been climbing the ranks in the mid-year baby names trend report, which means you can, you can get this trending report in the summer, you know, mid-year. It's about time. Yeah. <laughs> now, what's interesting here, as, to, as 2021 comes to a close, the five most popular names for baby girls, all right, here they are, Olivia, Emma, Amelia, Ava, and Sophia. And for the boys, it was Liam. There you go. We have one of those. Uh, Noah, Oliver, Elijah, and Lucas. Those are the most popular boys' names as, as this year closes out. Now, isn't it interesting? Because really names are important. So much so that a psychologist which studied 15,000 young people who had delinquency problems, he concluded that those who had names that were either embarrassing or odd were four times more likely to get into trouble. Isn't that interesting? Apparently, from what this says, the name we give our child is a very important aspect of their identity. And I think that's amazing because the Bible also 
it stresses the extreme importance of names in Scripture. The name of God, for example, was to be revered, never to be taken in vain. Yahweh in Hebrew, also translated as Jehovah, means I am, translating the essence of our eternal creator. Adam means taken out of the earth. Eve, mother of all the living. Remember when God came to Abram, whose name meant father, he changed it to Abraham, which meant the father of many nations. Abraham and Sarah were told in their old age they were going to give birth to a child. And Sarah laughed. And so their son's name became Isaac. Isaac means laughter. Isaac and his wife Rebecca had twins. And the first one to be born had a reddish complexion and red hair. And they called him Esau, which means in the language of the Bible, red. You see, in the Bible, a name can communicate something that occurred at birth or it can sometimes refer to a future experience that's going to be had about the potential of the particular child. Jacob married a woman named Rachel, and they had 12 sons, and the very last to be born resulted in the death of his wife. And Rachel, in her dying breath, named the baby Ben-Oni, which meant son of my sorrow, son of my misery. But apparently Jacob, who I guess knew how important names were as well, he changed the name to Benjamin, meaning son of my right hand. And in the New Testament, Zechariah, the priest, and his wife Elizabeth had been waiting years for a child. And when she miraculously became pregnant in her old age and gave birth to John the Baptist, Nearly everybody in the town assumed that this boy would be named Zachariah Jr. But Zachariah said no. Actually, he indicated it. He couldn't speak at the time. If you know the rest of the story, you know that. But Zechariah indicated his son was to be named John, which means God is gracious. And our Lord Jesus knew how important names were as well. Once he met an enthusiastic follower named Simon. That's Hebrew for one who listens and obeys. But Jesus went even further than that and changed his name to Peter, the rock, a man of stability. But of course, for Christians, the most important name, we've been singing about it, is that of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the Bible tells us that there was one child born who was given a timeless, specific name, a name that was to be above every other name. Luke 1, 26 and the following tells of an angel that God sent to a young girl living in a town of Nazareth whose name was Mary. And the angel said to her, Luke 1, 28, Greetings, you who are highly favored, for the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And you will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give give him the name Jesus. That's Yeshua in the Hebrew. In Matthew's gospel, he also is called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. 
And in Luke 1.32, the angel Gabriel goes on to tell Mary that her baby will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And what Mary was told that day was the fulfillment of a prophecy declared way back in the Old Testament by the prophet Isaiah. This was 700 years before Jesus would ever be born in a stable near Bethlehem. In Isaiah 9, verse 6, the prophet was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these words. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now I want you to think about this a moment. According to the prophet Isaiah, Jesus Christ, Son of God, would become known by four descriptive phrases, which are underlined there on the screen. Let's talk about that a bit. You know, one of the problems we have with language is that we often abuse words. When we use words as adjectives to exaggerate a point, pretty soon words can lose their uh, effectiveness. Years ago, uh, back when Jerry and I were younger, good to have you with us, Jerry. It's Christmas. I want to especially welcome you here to be with us. Well, one of the problems is there was a word called super. Remember when everything was super? Super Bowl. You had Super Dome. Then Superman, of course, was on TV a lot then. Super Girl, remember that? Super Glue. Yeah. I mean, if something then happened to be even greater than super, it was super duper. Took it to a whole new level there. And pretty soon, we just wore the thing out. And you hardly ever hear many people use that as much today. Then we had another word come along. Awesome. That was awesome. You know, I had an awesome experience. And, oh, that was an awesome movie. And, awesome meal. An awesome square donut, you know. And as a result, when we read in Exodus fifteen eleven, Who among the gods is like you, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory? The impact is kind of lost on us. Prophet Isaiah said he will be called wonderful, meaning filled with wonder, amazement. His birth was filled with wonder. Luke 2 verse 8 tells us there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. 
when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Everybody was filled with wonder. Can you remember the last time you were filled with wonder? It's an interesting concept. And I want to expand on it this morning. I want to, I want to talk a little bit about the wonder. And I want you to think deeply about it. For example, consider his wonderful words. You see, all throughout the perfect, wonder-filled life of Jesus, the words that he spoke carried authority. They carried tenderness, impact, influence. Never a man spoke like this man, the people said. And all who heard his words were filled with amazement. King James Version says in Luke 4, 22, And all bear him witness, and they wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And when you and I read Jesus' words, the question needs to be asked, are we still moved to a place of wonder when you read the Scriptures? Or you hear Scriptures spoken during our, our worship service? It makes you wonder if maybe we've let some things slip a little bit. Consider his wonderful words. Consider his miraculous words. He touched the lame and they walked. Blind people could see. What amazing miracles. Broken bodies were made whole. Dead people come back to life. And the Bible repeatedly tells us that people came out to see the amazing, wonderful things that he was doing. But we don't talk about that as much today. Have we become so accustomed to the miraculous that in our own lives and in the lives of others that we no longer notice things? Every single breath is a gift. Did you know that? Every moment, every hour, every day, every week, every month, every year becomes sacred when viewed through the lens of our faith in his wonderful, miraculous provision. The fact that we're here, the fact that we're alive and you have life and breath in your body. His wonderful miracles. But that's not all. Consider his wonderful counsel. You know, I think each of us, each of us needs a counselor at one time or another. Some maybe more than others. But we try to carry ourselves as if we've got it all together. And we don't really need anything. We're self-sufficient. We're fine. But the longer that you and I live, the more we need to realize that our human wisdom, frankly, is kind of inadequate. We need counsel. Not some paid psychiatrist or therapist. We just need somebody that we can unload our problems and receive encouragement and love and support. In the book of Jeremiah 10, 23, we read, I, I know, O Lord, that a man's life is not his own. It's not for a man to direct his own steps. No matter how self-sufficient we may appear to be, 
We all need a close friend. Somebody to talk to. Somebody that cares. And we need more than one. The Bible tells us in Proverbs eleven fourteen, for lack of guidance, a nation falls. But with many advisors, they make victory sure. This is why there are accountability groups. This is why there's support groups. Frankly, that's why there's a small church or a small group ministry of the church. There's a reason for this. We can come here and gather in the larger body of Christ, but we miss out on the fellowship of the smaller one, the smaller, more intimate group. Everybody, what is it? Everybody knows your name. Remember that? That was a story about a bar, I believe, but anyway, not very appropriate, but they all, they knew your name as long as they were standing, I guess, but anyway. One of the lines of a song by Twyla Paris, once she wrote this, deep inside the armor, this warrior is a child. The Bible says in Psalm 1, 1, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and, I, and this is what makes Jesus such a wonderful counselor. He understands. In fact, that's why Jesus was born a baby, a human. God could have sent Jesus to the world at the age of 33, had him live a week and, and say, well, I'm, I'm going back to God here. I am the Son of God, but before I go, I'm going to die on the cross for all your sins. And um, I'm going to come out of the tomb in three days and then I'm going to head back to heaven. But that's not what it was. He didn't. He came as a baby in order to experience everything we experience. Divinity. Getting all touchy-feely with humanity. Something that was inconceivable in the mind of the people of that day. And overlooked a lot by the people of our own. He came as a baby. Hebrews 2.17 powerfully declares, for this reason he had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help all those who are being tempted. In other words, Jesus understands. Jesus gets it. There's no problem you've got. There's nothing you dragged in here today that you don't want to talk about. There's nothing that that he can't already relate to. He, He was single. He was lonely. He had friends who let him down. He was from a despised race. He was tempted in every way just as we are. And as a result, he's a wonderful counselor. But that's not all. Consider his wonderful compassion that goes with that. John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. Never, never, never allow Satan to discourage you by saying nobody cares about you. As the song goes, does Jesus care when my heart is hurting too deeply for mirth or song? As the burdens press and the cares distress and the way grows weary and long. 
Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched by my grief. And when the days are weary and the long night dreary, I know my Savior cares. Consider his wonderful compassion. And then I ask you to consider his wonderful wisdom. I mean, you open up the Bible, and his words are full of insight. Not just for that age, but for all the ages. David, the shepherd boy, wrote in Psalm 119, verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against God. In verse 24, your statutes are my delight. They are my counselors. And when you're hurting, you can go to a private place and close the door and pour out your heart to Jesus. And you can read his word. And we clearly see he's a wonderful counselor. Yes, sometimes we need people. But many times, if not most, we just need to have a little talk with Jesus, as the song says. Take our burden to him and leave it there. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tells us to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your pathway straight. Jesus was called wonderful because his words, his miracles, his counsel, his compassion, and his wisdom all of those things are what makes this birth here at Christmas time so amazing. He is mighty God. Titus 2, verse 11 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. And it teaches us to say no to ungodliness. It teaches us to say no to worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. Why? It's while we wait for that blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Don't ever let the words fail you. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh. Almighty God came to earth, humbled himself, even unto death, all because of his amazing love for you and me. I like how Max Licato describes the very first Christmas in a stable in Bethlehem. He said, Majesty in the midst of the mundane, holiness in the filth of sheep manure, divinity entering the world on the floor of a stable through the womb of a teenager in the presence of a carpenter. Mary touches the face of the infant God. Oh, how long was their journey? This baby had overlooked the universe. These rags keeping him warm were once robes of eternity. His golden throne room had been abandoned in favor of a dirty sheep pen. And the worshiping angels had been replaced with some kind but totally bewildered shepherds. His name will be called Wonderful. Almighty God, Everlasting Father. But now, wait a minute. I thought, I thought he was the Son. There's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. How is God the Son also God the Father? I mean, that can be perplexing to people, especially in our day and age when there's not very much Bible literacy. But here's what it means. 
Sometimes the word father is used in scripture. It can mean the author of, the originator of. For example, in the Gospel of John, Jesus referred to Satan as the father of lies. The originator of lies and deception, meaning he's the inventor. Deception and lies are his normal speech. However, Jesus is the father of everlasting life. And when he came out of that tomb, everything now was different. He proved there was life beyond the grave. He's the author of everlasting life. And this is why our everyday lives can take on a whole new meaning. And your problems can be seen in a different light. Difficulties and hardship can be viewed with hope and possibility. Which is why Revelation 21 says, verse 3, I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. What will he do? He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. A while back I had a funeral. And after the end of the service, people would be coming, they came forward. And um, when, you're, when you're standing in the position of a pastor, and, and you're, you're, usually we're, we go to the, close to the casket, we'd stand there and kind of nod our heads and be totally useless, by the way. But it's interesting the things you, you overhear. Some come to the casket and say nothing as they go by. They just they look into it. And some will reach over and pat the, the body of the deceased. But there was a woman one time who came to the casket. And she leaned over and she whispered, See you soon. I'm not sure anybody else could have even heard what she said. She said, see you soon. Which is a whole lot different than saying goodbye. A whole lot different. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders. Boy, that'll be nice. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, all of those, all of those make him have a name that's above every other name. Amen. Oh, Father, we thank you so much for this amazing and indescribable gift. We thank you, Father, that you have been so, so in love with us. Even while we live as sinners and do all the terrible things we do, you loved us so much that you sent Jesus amazing gift indescribable gift and father help us to get our minds wrapped around this but most importantly help us also get our hearts wrapped around it so that we will feel and sense and understand how much you loved us and what you did to show it and may we may we also love in this season especially but beyond that season may we also love 
But while we do so, may we never lose our gratefulness for this wonderful counselor, this prince of peace. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. Mm-hmm.